Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hi there, it's, it's Gina Gardner here, and I'm joined as usual by my good friend, Rachel Davidson. Today we're going to be talking about worry. One of the things that we all do, I think we're hot wired to do, is to worry. But it's rather like wanting to take a journey to Australia and sitting in a rocking chair and thinking that the rocking back and forth is going to get you there. It doesn't do any good in and of itself. So why do we worry so much? Well, it's my belief that we're hotwired to notice and to be very concerned about anything that's different. Go back to caveman times, being part of a tribe, then any change in the environment, the weather, any new person, any you know, new situation, was something that would be seen as an absolute threat. And so you'd worry about it. It's part of our unconscious mind's capacity uh -huh. to keep us safe. The challenge in modern day times is that our need to be so concerned about our actual survival has lessened hasn't it? There's no immediate danger for most of us. Happily, no. I mean, there are certain <laughs> parts of the world where that's not true. But sure. for most of us, and certainly if you're watching this, the chances are um, that your immediate security and safety is assured. That's right. So why do we worry? And what is it that's going on? And what can we do about it? Because it's, mm. I think it's a very expensive use of energy. Mm. Um, it can be all-consuming. I think it's catching mm. that if you are worried mm. and anxious, then other people pick up on that. And particularly if you've got children, um, or you might have noticed when you've got if you've got animals that you know the more worried and agitated you are, the more um, concerned and, and difficult mm. they become because they've picked up on that energy. And of course, it is very hardwired into our lizard brains it's um, that need to be alert and I think worry is sort of you know taking alertness to um, a, an extreme degree in the sense that you're no longer alert about your presence and what's going on now but you're now trying to be alert about what might come what might happen or so, what has already happened yeah and um, I find it interesting that you know if you're worrying about something you've done in the past then it's a call to action to put it right. Mm -hmm. But once you've done that, there's not a lot you can do. You can't go back and change the past. So far as I'm aware, nobody's got a time travel machine that means that you can go back um, and allow yourself to find a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty well wasted, isn't it? Yeah. And the worrying about the future, well, that's wasted too because 
the future might never happen or certainly might never happen in the way in which you think it's going to. Yeah, exactly. But we not only worry about the past and the future, we spend a lot of time worrying about, well, what will other people think of us? You know, will people approve? Will people um, think well of us? Yep. And that's a worry that because there's no beginning and end to it, it can become all consuming, won't it? And start to drive our activities, start to drive our, how we speak, how we act. And it's so unnecessary. So during the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to explore worry, why um, it happens and some personal examples, but also what you can do. What are the strategies that you can use to um, to actually get past one. And the example I want to share with people is one that um, most people who've been listening to this know that I've been a wheelchair user mm. and in fact still do use a wheelchair when I go into town. Yeah. But what they won't be aware of is that for a couple of years before I started to use a wheelchair to get me round school, I resisted using a wheelchair mm. and my life became more and more limited. Mm. And the resistance was, I think, for two reasons. Firstly, I was very concerned what would people think. Yeah. As the head teacher, the principal of a school, I thought, well, will people respect me? Will they think that I can do my job? Yeah. Will the parents think, well, she's not up to the job? Will mm. the authorities support me? Mm -hmm. Would the children and the staff listen? And so in my mind, this became bigger and bigger. The more I thought about it, the more it was a, you know, it seemed to me a very genuine concern. Yeah. Yeah. The other worry for me in that situation was that I was worried if I took on board using a wheelchair. Did that mean that I'd given in and that, you know, it was going to be all downhill from there? And if I used the wheelchair, that actually I was accepting um, that my mobility was really poor yeah. and that using a wheelchair was going to make it worse. So you would never walk again. Yeah. And so I'd catastrophized um, the using a wheelchair and I'd assigned meaning to it mm -hmm. that actually was all of my own making yeah now things came to a head in a summer holiday um i had been invited to go to wisley which is the royal horticultural gardens i love gardens and gardening um and so real treat yeah Good place. um <laughs> but just also part of of this is i had been started on an experimental drug therapy right which meant taking a particular drug for six weeks right. and then they would add in a second drug okay and on the day that we went was the day i was due to take the second drug okay and that becomes relevant a bit later mm -hmm. so my friends drove us to wisley we got to the car park and in those days um there was a kiosk in the car park where you bought your tickets and then you went into the gardens. It's become much more uh, sophisticated and smart now. They have a, 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 Accessible. a very <laughs> posh building. And, yeah. But anyway, and I managed to walk from the car to the kiosk. Uh -huh. And by the kiosk, there were a group of wheelchairs and you could hire the wheelchairs. 
And I got to the kiosk. I'd had it. Mm. I'd walked all I could walk. Mm. Um, and they, the people I was with said, well, let's get a wheelchair. Stop yourself in a wheelchair, Gina. And I said, no. Oh. And I sat for the two and a half hours that they were going around the gardens on a bench by the kiosk. And as I sat there, I came to the realisation that I was cutting my nose off to spite my face, mm -hmm. that this was absolutely ridiculous. Mm. And so by the end of the two and a half hours, um, I thought to myself, yeah, maybe it's time. Got home that night, I took the tablet, and within two hours, I was really ill. Mm -hmm. I was taken into hospital, and I came out four months later. Wow. And when I came out the four months later, I had no choice but to use a wheelchair. Right. Mm. I was back at school pretty soon. That was my way. Mm -hmm. Children didn't bat an eyelid. Mm. Very occasionally over the years, as I needed to use the wheelchair more and more and became wheelchair bound, mm. the children occasionally, a new child would come up and say, why are you in a wheelchair? Mm. And I'd say, well, my legs don't work very well. And they mm. toddle off quite happily. Mm. So far as I know, the parents didn't bat an eyelid. If they were talking, it was at the school gate and nobody ever said anything to me or the authority. The local authority were very, very supportive. Mm -hmm. yep. And the only issue with my staff is was could they borrow the wheelchair to go into the hall and play silly devils? <laughs> and you'd hear them squealing as they ran each other over. Um, <laughs> because I always had my chair on fast and... Uh, they thought it was so easy until they got in. I mean, <laughs> there were times when the children would come and hand me slivers of uh, woodwork and say, um, that's... You knocked it off the door frame, miss. And they'd give it to me <laughs> so it was not discovered. Um, and the site manager occasionally with the paint pot in hand as he went to repair it, as I'd gone through a doorway that was very narrow. Uh, might raise his eyebrows but apart from that the only thing that got in the way and the only thing that made my life so much more limited over that period of time was me worrying mm. what a waste because mm. you worried for nothing yeah Not, none of your fears came to came to be true no no and mm. in fact my life expanded my wheelchair particularly the electric wheelchair uh, became my passport to doing things which otherwise would be close to me. Wow. Hence my chariot on fire. Mm. Yeah. What I find interesting working with so many people is how when people are worried, the substance of their worry mm -hmm. is very, very different to the reality that they have created in their head. Yes. And I think that, you know, it's important that you do have concern about things. But I think worry often comes because we know we've done something wrong. And if that's the case, then we need to put it right if we can, uh -huh. to make our apologies and then to forgive ourselves uh -huh. and move on, making sure we don't do it again. If we're worried about what other people are going to say or what people are going to think, then I think we have to consider what's the basis of that worry. Um, is it that we don't believe in ourselves? Is it that, that we are worried that, um, that we don't measure up? Because mm -hmm. in my 
experience, a great number of worries are based on that we don't feel enough. Yeah. Um, and I think rather than focusing on the worry, part of, of the, the solution is to focus on developing a great sense of self-confidence, not cockiness or arrogance, because I think it is important that we do own everything we do or yeah. fail to do yeah. and you know take responsibility for that yeah but worry is rather like an illness it's like a virus it takes over yeah. and it becomes um, an entity it seems to drive itself hmm. so i want to talk about strategies but i think i've spoken rather a lot and I know from, um, from it's called Gina Chats from our conversations <laughs> that you've got some pretty good strategies. So let's start with those. Okay. Um, so I'll remember our conversation from last night, hopefully accurately. So I like I am pretty normal in that if you if you allow me to go into that worry area of the brain, I can think of many 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 things that I'm worried about and do a big long list of them. And, yes. And I and I do think that most people have. And whether you are known as a warrior or whether you are known as a coper, I think it's just really about how much time you allow yourself to spend in that space. Or what people see. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. So, so for, for me, um, I have a number of little sort of um, coping um, strategies and, and thought mindsets. Um, the first one, it comes from my old days of being a horse rider. Yeah. And um, it comes from the technique around show jumping. So yeah. some, some of the fences that you can face when you're show jumping can be quite large. There's a particular fence called an oxer, um, which is a very wide, high, can be quite high, but basically a very wide fence Scary. too. So you need a horse that's capable of doing a good jump, otherwise you can land on the back pole. And although the fence will fall, you, you might be unseated and, you know, it's not pleasant to hit a fence. It's also not pleasant to position your horse at a fence when it's not feeling confident because that's when it can also put the brakes on the last minute and chuck you off. So generally speaking, you need to face these challenges with um, a fair amount of courage. Now, one of the big mistakes that riders can make and humans in general, this is where the metaphor works, is that you're so worried about the challenge that's approaching you that you forget to do all of the preparation necessary. Mm. So, I mean, I do believe that, you know, energetically you are getting ahead of yourself. Mm. You move your energetic body out and over there, and it's not much use to you over there because actually you need your energetic here in the present. You need to be whole. So, so the, the horse riding instructors will teach you as you're on a horse you need to concentrate on the stride you're doing because the bouncier, more impulsive, more energy you can encourage yes. the horse to have now will guarantee, give you a greater guarantee that when you arrive at the fence on the stride you want, it will have enough impulsion and energy for the horse to neatly jump over this massive fence. And you will almost not notice it happening, okay? Because you're very much in the presence of this stride next stride you know you don't even think of it as the next stride you just think this stride this stride this stride this stride you keep your eye on the challenge because you know it's there yeah. and of course you're pointing to it that's the whole point of being on the horse but you keep your mind on this stride this stride so whenever big challenges come my way 
and I've used this with my husband too when he's had big challenges and he's getting ahead of himself and worrying about should I do this should I take this direction what, you know, if? what, what if this happens what yeah. if? and I say shall we just let, let the jump get to us before we try to jump it let's just let the jump come to us and it is that mindset of the jump will come to me rather than I must get to the jump yes <laughs> because if you I try to get to the jump you flatten your horse and you pretty much guarantee that yeah. when you get there you're not you haven't got the capability of of, of achieving the challenge of, of succeeding in it so just let the jump come to you is often the phrase I will use when I feel myself getting anxious about oh god I've got this to do just let the jump come come to me and isn't it interesting that if you take that that metaphor and put it into everyday life mm. that the worrying about what might happen mm. means that we're completely unresourced. Yes. You can't find solutions. You're stuck in the problem, aren't you? Yeah. You think you're so busy preparing for it, but yes. actually what you're doing is flattening your stride and, yes. uh, and arriving in a, in a chaotic yes. fashion. It's a little bit like the other phrase of, shall we cross that bridge when we get to it? Yes. Type, yes. Type of attitude, you know. yes. Just, just prepare now. Just make sure that you're doing everything you can do for this forthcoming challenge just make sure it's happening now yes. here in the moment um, and and I, I do find that that's um, because I have a connection to that physicality yes. of an, yes. a, a, of the actual reality of, of waiting for a big jump to come to you I can I can get back into the zone of thinking okay just calm down just calm down there's no point worrying I was going to suggest that you did all three but I'd like to I've talked too much no not at all <laughs> But I, I'd like to, to actually continue with that one because one of the things that I think that can really help you um, manage worry is instead of worrying, yeah. is to actually get prepared for the eventuality that you're worried about. Yeah. So in the context of what you were just saying, you would be making sure your seat was right and that you were in the energy and in the yeah. stride. But, for example, I've worked with a number of people who have very significant mm. problems with worry. Mm. And I suppose one of the most significant is if you suffer from OCD. Yeah. And OCD is where you're desperately trying to control your world and have to go through the motions of a particular action or many actions mm. in order to get to the place where it feels safe. And the example I'm going to use, the person involved, um, was really worried about her or the children or her husband or the pushchair going through dogness. Yeah. And if she felt that they had been near dogness, then the worry was so great that the children were going to get ill and die. And it really is an extreme fear, extreme worry. Yeah. That when the, the shoes would have to go into the bin, yeah. The clothes would all have to be stripped off and washed not once but twice. Yeah. And they'd all have to have a shower. Yeah. And it was really <laughs> getting in the way of family life because yeah. there was no pleasure in going out for a walk because of the fallout. It was having an impact on the children who were being very anxious yeah. and a, a huge impact on the marriage which was in danger of, of falling apart. Yeah. Now... This isn't the only strategy, and I think it's really important no. because I don't want in any way to trivialise OCD is a very serious problem.
problem and yes. needs help. Yes, because it's a multi-layered fear, so it's a multi-layered solution. And there's yeah. usually a, an underlying cause that needs to be dealt with too. Mm. But actually there's a lesson that we can take from that into our normal everyday lives. Mm. And that is what we did is we set up um, a, a kit, a dog poo kit, if you like, <laughs> which consisted of two uh, black plastic sacks, several pairs of plastic gloves, mm -hmm. um, old shoes, um, and um, wet wipes. Yeah. And these went into a plastic box which went under the pushchair or was in the car. Yeah. Now, the husband agreed that whatever happened, he, the dirty work. he would deal with the plastic bags <laughs> when they got home. Okay. But he realised that that was going to save him a lot of money on shoes yes. because he was constantly having to buy yes. new shoes. Yeah. Now, the idea was that you put um, two or three pairs of gloves on, yeah. that you take the shoes off, put those into one of the black plastic sacks, mm -hmm. take those gloves off, put it in, tie that black sack on. So it's like a surgical Absolutely. Then still got the plastic gloves on because you yeah. put two or three on. Yeah. Take the wet ones, wipe anything that needed to be wiped, mm. put those in the second sack and then put the new, uh, the, the old shoes, but the clean shoes on. The black sacks go into the uh, boot of the car or uh, underneath the uh, push chair and then husband will deal with those um, on their return uh -huh. interestingly once the kit was there it was never used no. and it was just that security of knowing that should the worst happen yes that there was a way of dealing with that yes and I think that you know that if you are prepared in the best way you can be uh -huh. that uh, then you can I'd be more likely to let go of the worry yeah. because you think, yeah, I, I, I've got contingency plans in place. Yes. The other thing that we did um, was for her to grade her level of worry. Mm -hmm. And you may be familiar with the mountain molehill mm -hmm. test. Because yeah. yeah. when things happen, we often think, God, that's dreadful. And it, mm -hmm. it becomes a huge mountain in the way in which we're thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big issue. But in the mountain molehill, and first of all, I got her to grade her mountain. So Everest was a 10. Okay. But Snowdon um, was probably a, a, a three. Okay. Mm. So mm. I think the Welsh would say five, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we could argue about that. Um, but ultimately, grading it gave it some sense of being able to then measure whether it was improving. Mm. And then to ask a series of questions. At the end of the day, will it still be a mountain? Yeah. Or will it have been downgraded to a molehill? Yeah. What about the end of tomorrow? Yeah. By the end of the week, is it still a mountain? Mm. Is it still as big a mountain? Mm. Or has it become a smaller mountain? Yeah. What about a month? Mm. Or a year? Mm. Five years? At the end of your life, looking back, will this still be a mountain? Because if you're going to downgrade it at some point in the future, why not downgrade it now? And my client found that very, very helpful. And lots of other clients have found it too. It's a simple way of just putting things into perspective. Because in time, our perspective changes, doesn't it? And that just gives you a quick way of whipping through time in order to change perspective. Yeah. 
So your next strategy. Uh, next strategy, uh, well, I have sort of five rules for life. Yep. So if I am worrying about something, I tend to run the scenario through the five rules. Yep. I tend to ask myself if I'm turning up. Okay. And if I'm being present enough, you know, am I actually participating? You have to be in the moment to do that, don't yeah. you? So, yeah. you know, first of all, you've got to actually sort of, you know, commit to it, turn up. Yeah. Then you've actually got to be present. Yes. Um, then it's very important to speak your truth. Yes. Um, so, as, as you know, as long as I feel like I have been truthful in, in this moment, um, then I am I'm able to move to the next step, which is yeah. to let it go. Because some of the things you're worrying about, actually, you know, there's good reason to worry about them. Yes. Because there's, you know, there's, there's just so much you can do to affect them. And beyond that, you have to let them go. So I often think this, go through this scenario with regard to my son, who, you know, I question some of the choices he's making. And yes. I worry about what, what lies ahead of him yes. with his emotional choices. So I try to, to say, well, you know, look, am I turning up for him? Am I present mm -hmm. in, in as much as I'm able to in the time that I have with yes. him? Um, do I speak my truth when it's relevant? Mm -hmm. And if I go on tick, tick, tick on those, then I feel, I feel that I can sort of put the worry warts, weed beads down for a little bit because, you know, letting go is as, is as much an important aspect to, to the whole sort mm -hmm. of healing process yes. or, or, or at least the fifth rule is to create no unnecessary harm. And I do say unnecessary because obviously sometimes to harm, it's a slightly pejorative word, but, but sometimes you can't avoid doing harm. You know, you can't avoid upsetting somebody, uh, for instance. But, but if, it's un, if it's unnecessary harm, as in you've upset them for no good reason, yeah. then, you know, mm. but if, if you have upset them because you have turned up, been present, spoken your truth, and that has upset them, yes. then you're still allowed to let it go. <laughs> you know, you're still yeah. allowed to say, well, look, you know, it was necessary. And I have upset him with, with, with statements of truth. Yes. Um, but not in a, I'm going to upset you malicious kind of way, just as in, well, you know, this is the hard reality of, of what life can be. So that's one of my little rules. And then I think one of the ones that I'm always saying to my teenage daughter um, about scenarios that come up in her life, and it's a really easy one to remember, is, you know, Whatever scenario it is that's, that you're miserly about, can you change it? Mm -hmm. Can you leave it? Can you accept it? Yes. And and you'll often find that you know one of those three is is really the you know yeah those are the three options you've got in life because if you can't leave something and you can't change it, then you're more than likely going to have to accept. I mean, you don't have to accept it. You can continue to mither and worry and stress about it. But it's not doing, it's not making any difference, <laughs> is it? It's, other than it's making not changing you unhappy. It. Exactly. Yes. You know, it's not changing it. It's not allowing you to leave it behind. You know, you, you have to come to an, a, yeah. a level of acceptance. That often actually translates to you've probably got to change something you're doing. Yeah. Um, rather than trying to change the situation. Yes. And And... Th those in combination those sort of three things I, they I, work i can just let you know come down a couple of defcon levels <laughs> it doesn't stop me worrying but again in the same way that i think all of these sort of negative emotions that people often run from or wish to know they have a purpose don't they? they are little knock knock knocks um yeah. to sort of give you a little message to, to make you aware of something that isn't possibly not quite right so 
So it's take notice. I think it's important that, that we take the essence of the problem yeah. and check if there is a problem. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a perception. It's, it's as got as much uh, validity as the story of, of Goldilocks. Yes. Other times it's something is in variance against our values. Yes. Or that we know we need to be doing or saying something or stop doing or saying something. Yes. yes. Um, and it is a call to action. But I want to share with people a, a, te a technique that is, can be really helpful, particularly when you wake up in the middle of the night, Robin. Mm -hmm. And often it's mm -hmm. you know, that two, three, four o'clock in the morning, you've got <laughs> to sleep, and then you wake up, you're wide awake, and your mind's going round and round and round, worrying about things. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of layers to this technique. In order, um, if you think about your brain being like an old vinyl record, mm -hmm. it gets, the needle gets stuck. Yeah. And you need to break state to break the pattern. Yeah. So first and foremost, get up, mm. go to the kitchen and make yourself a hot drink, mm -hmm. one that's got no caffeine in it. So hot milk or a herbal tea or something mm -hmm. like that. And what I would say is while it's heating up, you want to do something that's really going to break your state. Mm. So do a little dance around the kitchen mm. or do Ministry of Silly Walk, something that's going to make you laugh, mm. or hop up and down. and mm. um, Do something which takes the brain and says, stop, mm. you're doing something different. Yeah. Once you've made your drink, sit down and take a pad and pen, paper mm. and write down all of the things that you are worried about. Mm. Do a complete brain dump, mm. okay? Now, at one level, you can then, at the end of that, say to yourself, okay, there's nothing more I can do. You go back to bed, and the next morning you look at your list and you can start to work on it. Mm. Now, for many people, that works like a dream. Mm. If you're really resistant to um, letting go of your worries, then there's another part of that exercise that you can do during the night or you can do the next day, which is to take a pen and go through each of the things you've written down and cross out anything which isn't actually real, that you have that measure. Is this a real worry? Is this a perceived worry? Um, and if it's just something that you're making up, then cross it out. Then next, is this something that I can actively change and ring that? Mm. And then what action, what's my first action going to be to change that? Mm. And then the third is, is this something I need to accept? And asking yourself, what's getting in the way of accepting that? Mm. Is this just an old habit that you haven't accepted it? Yeah. Or is there some work to be done? around self-worth, self-belief, or another limiting belief which is keeping you stuck. Now, the other thing, you know, lots of people worry about things like money or their weight or um, something that they're worried about it and they say, well, I'm going to spend less money or I'm going to look for a better job or I'm, gonna, I'm going to go on a diet. But even though they worry about it, 
they sabotage it mm. all the time. Mm -hmm. They go on a diet and then somebody offers them a piece of cake and they say, oh, well, I'll start my diet again tomorrow. <laughs> or they're worried about money, but they'll go onto the shopping channel on the TV and buy an expensive handbag or an expensive tool for garden. And I think if that's the situation that you find yourself in, then I would really you know, urge you to think about getting some help. Mm. Because if you haven't already solved that mm. habit, the chances are that you're going to need some help to find a way to do that. Because the thing about worrying is that you are remaining within um, a negative mindset of yeah. you know, anxiety and fear. And the thing about the universe and, and how our brains work and what the law of abundance yes. is, is that what you are focusing on is what will... Well, it seems to expand, doesn't it? Yeah, so, so if you... And bear in mind that the universe cannot, cannot uh, do a negative before it's done a positive. So if you ask somebody to not think of an elephant, their mind has to create the elephant before their yes. mind is then able to say, now remove the element, the elephant. You yes. cannot just remove the elephant that hasn't yet yes. been created. So in worrying, you potentially are creating um, aspects. Uh, and then in, by staying within that worry, you then make them bigger and larger and then you're making them more likely to happen it's like that you're making the failure at the jump more likely to happen by worrying about it and you add to that that all the time that you're focusing on the the negative mm. that the capacity to find a solution is being diminished because this mist comes up mm. you have no sense of clarity do you mm. So I find it fascinating that, you know, that people who worry about money, very often when you unpick what's going on, have the very habits which are going to create the problem. Mm. So whether it's they spend, get into debt. Mm. Um, you know, I can remember clients who were in significant debt who didn't understand compound interest. Mm. So that didn't recognise that by only paying the minimum off of their um, credit card bill that they were never going to pay um, be able to pay off um, the amount and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because they were paying interest on this yeah and you often talk about the power of language and the, the language is is probably in their head I, I'm worried that I spend too much I'm worried that I spend too much I spend too much I spend too much spend too much spend too much right <laughs> um, I want to um, to Turn save around. money, I want to yeah. be debt free. Yes, I want to be debt free. Debt free, debt free, debt free. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, for all of you listening to this, I would say to you, you know, worry is a natural part of life. It's when it gets out of control, when it's starting to direct your life, and you'll find yourself stuck in that spiral, which is getting deeper and deeper that you really need to take some action. We've given you some strategies. Don't worry, Gina. <laughs> Give them Gina's a go. Gina's here. Um, <laughs> let us know how you get on. If you have particular worries, you want to share them through the chat box, then we'll do our best to answer them. Um, you can find lots and lots of things to help you on the website, which is HTTPS, colon, forward slash, forward slash, genuinely, hyphen, and then the word you.com. Um, lots and lots of free resources there and you can also find the programs there 
Find all our books, The Point of Me and The Truth of Her. Rachel's two spiritual novels are on there. And you will find Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways of Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. Lots of international best, uh, um, number one best uh, sellers on the website from, uh, from either of us. Um, please go and have a look. Thanks for joining us. Take care and have a worry-free week till we <laughs> see you next time. Bye-bye now. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-you.com today to find out more.